Thanks so much for joining us and for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. Our hope as you listen in is that you might encounter Jesus, hear and receive his love, and be encouraged and empowered by his spirit to be and bring life and love to one another and to the other in your world. If you would like to get in touch with us or keep up to date with what's happening in and through the life of Steeple Church, please jump onto our website at steeplechurch.com.au or follow us on the socials via Facebook or Instagram at steeple.church. We're looking forward to meeting you one day soon, but in the meantime, enjoy the message. Bless your fam. Yo, beautiful. Where did I put my laptop? I do this at home all the time. I literally leave the house and put my keys somewhere that I think, there it is, right there. See? Happens to me all the time. Fantastic. Well, this is my first time preaching in a couple of, uh, couple of months. Did you miss me? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, E-Man. I love you. love you too, bro. Um, I'm excited tonight, and I know that a few people have noticed the, um, the bottle of gin as they walked in tonight. I am going to be making a martini for myself. Um, beautiful. Well... I'm going to be kind of utilising uh, Psalm 27 and just one verse tonight. There's one verse throughout this week that kind of um, jumped out at me and there were three words in particular in the version that I was reading that kind of popped when I read it. And, uh, and I've shared from, from this scripture before, but I'm going to do it again tonight. Um, and really the goal is just to encourage the church, just to encourage you. Uh, it has been a busy week for me. Uh, and so this, this was kind of a reminder for me, a bit of, bit of encouragement for me as I read um, this particular psalm and this particular verse. So Psalm 27, verse 1, in the NIV says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Beautiful, powerful psalm. Well, I love the poetry. I love the way that the message version is written. So uh, I picked that version up as well and looked at the, the translation in there. And it says this in the message version, light, space, zest. That's God. So with him on my side, I'm fearless, afraid of no one and nothing. Light, space, zest. Those words, those three words just popped out at me and I'm a bit of a foodie. I'm also, I also have a background in hospitality, as you well know. Uh, but Psalm 27 verse 1 begins with a few seemingly abstract descriptors of who God is in the message version. And because I am a foodie, and because of my background in cocktail bartending, I love what the language in Psalm 27 in the message version conjures up in my imagination with these three words. And so I went down a bit of a rabbit war and I thought, that's interesting. It's an interesting translation. It's kind of different from the NIV version, quite different. But uh, again, those three words, obviously there's some, there's some things behind those words that, uh, that the author of the message translation thought were appropriate. And so I just got captured by these three words, light, space, zest. Light, space, zest. And that's really the title of my message tonight. And uh, this one verse in the message version packs a real punch to me anyway and reminds me, simply put, that God is everything that he is present in and around and through everything and everyone, that he is constant, steady, strong and steadfast, that he is flavorful and diverse and delicious, creative, interesting and beautiful. These are all descriptors that I would use to describe 
God. And, and these three words, light, space, zest, kind of conjured all of this up in my imagination. And I put to you tonight that these three descriptors of who God is have very practical implications for those of us that believe, regardless of how you feel about the message interpretation. But I like the poetry. So we're going to use the language here tonight to hopefully learn a little something about God or ourselves. And at the very least, I hope and pray that we are encouraged. Is that all right? Still with me? I see some nods. That's good. So let's talk about light. The first point I want to bring up tonight is light. It's the first descriptor that God has uh, or that, that this psalm brings up is light. And it says that light, God is light. Now, disclaimer, I'm not a scientist. I did a little bit of Google research on light. Uh, but here's one of the things that I learned. One of the first things that kind of jumped out at me when people were describing what light is or the character or what the character of light was. The first thing that jumped out at me when doing my Google research was this, that light is constant. Light is constant. Light is steady and steadfast. It is consistent. Light stays the course regardless and even in spite of any obstacle that might stand in its way. So I think when Psalm 27 in the Message Version describes God as being light, I think it's quite Appropriate. Light is unchanging, so is God. Light is steady and steadfast, so is God. Light is constant, so is God. Light is consistent, so is God. Light stays the course regardless and in spite of any obstacle, and so does God. Can I get an amen? Okay. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, like light, is steady. He is unchanging. He is constant and consistent. And that, my friends, should come as a relief. For some of us in the room who don't like change, it's almost like, take a deep breath. God is constant. He is steadfast. He is reliable. He is faithful. We love all of those words when it comes to God. God, like light, is steady. He is constant. Second thing I learned about light is that light is creative. That's a weird thing to say about light, but light is creative. I've never heard this about light until recently. Understanding and sort of talking about light as being constant and steady is, is easy. We can kind of grasp that. We like that. But it gets a little trippy. Light is very interesting. Or, or more to the point, how light behaves is interesting. I have discovered that light has some really mysteriously mind-bending behavior. I'll try and explain Run-of-the-mill run wisdom tells us that things in nature are either waves or they are particles. Like things are either dust particles or sound waves. There's waves in the ocean or there's those particles of food that get caught up in my beard uh, more often than not. Normally things in nature are either one or the other, but then there's light. Light is made up of particles and light is a wave. Light is both at the same time. Light is tangible like dust particles and light is intangible like sound waves. Light breaks the rules when it comes to how it expresses itself, how it behaves. Light cannot be bossed in as being either particles or waves. Light cannot be told how to behave. Light is not binary in its expression. Light is creative. Light is both and, not either or. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? All right, you knew I had to say that at least once. God, like light, is constant and creative. It is both and, and I think, my friends, that that is freaking cool. I love that about God. I love that God can't be boxed. 
I love that. I love that God is mysterious. I love that God is something, uh, is someone to be explored. The third thing I learned, or that we all know about light, this is the obvious one, is that light illuminates. And to illuminate something means to eradicate or expel darkness, to brighten or bring light to something and make it clear and visible, to guide, enlighten or educate. I love that. This is the obvious one. Light expels darkness. In other words, if you were to put dark and light in a boxing ring, light would win out every time. You turn a light on in a dark room, the room doesn't stay dark. Light wins. I love the Martin Luther King Jr. quote that says this, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. I mean, it sounds obvious, but that's the same when it comes to how God operates. That's why these descriptors make so much sense. Scripture says it this way, John chapter 1, verse 3 to 5 says, everything was created through him, nothing Not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and life was light, and the the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. Light expels darkness. And the other thing that light does is that light brightens and guides. Jesus said it this way in John 8 I am the world's light. No one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus refers to himself this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the light of the world that has expelled darkness, that has made the Father visibly, uh, vividly visible. There you go, it's a tongue twister. Jesus is the light of the world that has shown us clearly how to live his way. Light brightens and guides. Here's the simple thought that I've learned about light. God, like light, is constant and consistent. God, like light, is creative and bright. The implication for you and for me and for us as a church here tonight is simply this. Be like God, who is light, and be constant, be consistent, be creative, and be bright. Amen? That's light. Let's talk about space. Up until recently, I thought that space was empty. I thought that space was simply nothing. In other words, I've always assumed that space was the void of all things, an absence of life. I've always assumed that empty space was not a thing, that space was no thing, that space was nothing. Turns out I might be wrong. If Scripture says that God is space, then space, it turns out, must be something. In fact, if God is space, then space must be, in fact, everything. Are you still with me? Well, back I read a book titled What We Talk About When We Talk About God. And uh, in it, I was introduced to this very idea and they talked about a chair. And uh, it said this, if I put this chair under a high-powered microscope, we would see the basic elements and molecules and compounds that compromise those materials comprise those materials. And if we kept going farther and farther into the basic materials, we would eventually be at the subatomic level. I'm way out of my depth here. Where we discover that the chair, like everything else in the universe, is made of atoms. And atoms, it turns out, this is so trippy, are 99.9% empty space. Did anyone know this? Okay, some one person in the room. Cool. And if all the empty space was taken out of all the atoms in the universe, the universe would fit in a sugar cube. Is that, that's trippy. 
Okay, cool. That blows my mind. Here's how I'm coming at this information. Empty space, which I have always assumed to be not a thing, is actually a thing. And not just a thing, but more like everything. It's more like God. In fact, this space might in fact be the very thing that makes up and holds up and holds every one of us and everything around us together. If this is true, then Scripture that I love in Colossians 1 makes so much more sense, where it says this in Colossians 1, 15 18, we look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. When it comes to the church, he organises and holds it all together like a head does a body. My simple thought from these big ideas that I still don't really understand is simply this. God, like space, is present in everything. God, like space, holds everything together. Every person, every moment, every season. God is present in everything. The implication for you and for me and for us as a church tonight might be this. Be like God, who is like space, and be present. Amen? Light, space, zest. Some things about zest. I love zest. Zest, if used properly, is the perfect flavour agent. Zest can add to or enhance already existing flavours in food and drinks. Amongst the many jobs that I've done over over the years, one that I've done for the longest, really, ministry's kind of creeping up there, but I was a cocktail bartender, bartender for years. And as a bartender, I would use all kinds of, of citrus zest for all kinds of drinks and cocktails. Grapefruit zest, orange zest, lemon zest, lime zest. We love zest. Zest for a bartender is kind of like salt to a chef. It's the thing that we like to season a drink with. Uh, the type of zest was always determined by the flavour profile that was already present in the cocktail's base spirit. So the drink that I'm going to make for us tonight and for all of those uh, who have... You know, let's just be mature. I'm not encouraging drinking, and if we do, drink responsibly. But we're going to be making a martini tonight, my favourite cocktail. And it's probably one of the simplest cocktails, and yet it is one of the cocktails that so many people get wrong. Gin martini. For me, the perfect gin martini is simply gin, ice cold, and served with the perfect garnish. And tonight, we're going to be serving it with a lemon zest or a lemon twist. But here's the beautiful thing, or the thing that maybe you don't know about spirits, is that within gin, gin is basically vodka with a whole bunch of botanicals added to it. And uh, you need to know what botanicals have been used in a gin to know the perfect garnish. And so this particular gin, London Dry Gin, Sipsmith, uh, two of the botanicals within this particular gin are orange peel and lemon peel. And so the perfect uh, garnish would either be a lemon, a lemon twist, a lime twist, an orange twist. They're, they're probably the three that I would use for this particular drink. You okay if I make a martini? Yeah. I'll have to drink it after you all leave. Oh, yeah, you were a little bit too eager there, Kat. Oh, gosh, this is what happens. I get nervous in front of people. I've missed. I don't think I've made a martini for years. So the key to a good martini, this is so not preaching, but it's a passion. Key to a good martini is temperature and ice. 
a lot of ice. Has everybody in the room tried a martini before? Yeah? Espresso martinis don't count, Dan. <laughs> Does everybody like a martini? <laughs> just, I'm just seeing who in the room. amazing. If you, if you have a martini but you don't add the twist, it, it, it's a completely different drink. But essentially a martini is stirred down gin or vodka. I'm old school. I like the gin. You're probably not going to be able to see it from where you're at, but essentially you take a, a lemon twist and you squeeze the, the oils out of the lemon twist and it completely changes or enhances the flavour of the cocktail. That's a gin martini. Light, space, zest. Thank you. I would normally throw some stuff around, but... <laughs> thanks, thanks, Casey. Love you, mate. Fantastic. The purpose of adding zest to a drink is to enhance the already existing present flavours that exist within the base spirit. I said before, zest to beverages is like salt to food. My mother-in-law, Karen, aka Special K, makes the most delicious pork crackling. Of course, there is a delicious roast pork that is connected to the pork crackling, but let me tell you, uh, I am single-minded when it comes to the crackling. Like, when I know that there's a pork crackling or a pork happening, uh, like for Christmas dinner, I am all about the pork crackling. But here is a simple rule when it comes to producing delicious, crispy pork crackle. Salt. No salt, no crunch, no crunch, no crackle. The addition of salt, the right amount of salt, adds to, enhances, and draws out the already existing flavours in a whole lot of food. It's the same with citrus zest. Zest and salt. God is like zest and salt. And we are to be like God. We, His church, this church, us, you and me, are to be like zest and salt. Matthew 5 verse 13 to 16 says this, Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? This leads me to my next question, because it would be really weird if we went around like salt baying people or spraying citrus zest on people. That's a little bit strange. So the question that I asked after reading these scriptures is simply this. What is the flavour of God? What is the zest, the salt seasoning of God? that we are supposed to kind of bring into the world. Well, John 1 John 4 tells us that God is love. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a very good indication of what love is like. Over 50 times in the New Testament alone, we are commanded to love one another. When we love well, we enhance and draw out and amplify the already present flavour of God in our world. Love is our zest. Love is our salt seasoning. The love of God is our most important ingredient. Amen? John 13 verse 34 and 35 says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When people see how we love, they should get a taste of God and a taste for God. Amen? I mean, I see this. I love reading Acts because we see a picture of a church that understood this. People were being transformed. Cities were being transformed en masse, 
Not because somebody got up and preached an amazing message. That was happening. But the thing, the important ingredient for change and transformation was the way that they loved one another. When people see how we love, they should get a taste of God and a taste for God. And you know, the beautiful thing about salt and zest is that it doesn't take much to influence or draw out the flavour. And it's the same with love. So the simple thought for us tonight is this. God, like zest and love, is powerfully delicious. Implication for us tonight is simply this. Be like God, who is like zest, and love one another and the other in a way that amplifies his already present presence in the world. If God is light, space, zest, let's be like God this year. Let's be constant, consistent, steadfast, creative. Let's be present and loving. Light, space, zest. Church, let me leave you with this blessing. As you move from this place and space into the next, may you go knowing the Lord as your light, your constant and consistent stronghold and source of strength and creativity. May you be aware of his presence as you are present with and for others in every space you hold and every space you inhabit this week. And may you taste and see that the Lord is good as you draw out the God flavours and God colours in your world. As you add zest to and season every relationship and encounter with the love of God for and toward one another and the other in your world. Be blessed, church. Amen. Light, space, zest. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much that you are a good God, that you are present with us, even when we don't feel it or see it. Thank you, God, that you are creative. Thank you that you are reliable, steadfast, constant and consistent. Father, help us to be that in our world as we bring your flavours out, as we love one another and the other well in our world. Would you help us to do that, that others might be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Steeple Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listened in. As I said at the top of the podcast, we loved having and hosting you in this way, but we'd love to hear from you and pray for you. So please drop us a line via our website or better yet, if you're local to Melbourne, drop in on one of our Sunday gatherings. Peace and love, friends. Have a great week.